six weeks after suspending its superintendent, the Riley County School Board moved Tuesday to fire Cliff Williams on a 4-2 vote. Board President Samantha Brown says a majority felt Williams' contract exceeded a Kansas statute that states that school boards shall appoint a superintendent for a term of no more than three years. Williams received an extension to his three-year contract in December prior to the board switching over in January. Because of this, it, ex- it is therefore void, and because of it exceeds the statute. Mr. Williams, it is void, and the board has determined that Mr. Williams um, has probably violated terms of that contract also. Um, Mr. Williams' status as superintendent of USD 378 is terminated. Board members Nathan Mead and Justin Ricketts each opposed Tuesday's motion, which followed 45 minutes of executive sessions. Williams had been the superintendent in the district for a little more than seven years. Following the decision Tuesday night, the board tabled a motion to offer a supplemental contract for interim superintendent Aaron Flair for the duration of the remaining school year. The board will consider that motion as well as potentially offering her a one-year contract through the next school year during the March 4th meeting. Fort Riley officials say a soldier was shot in his home on post Monday. The incident was reported on the 1st Infantry Division Facebook page Tuesday evening, but not a lot of details were provided. They do say a suspect was apprehended shortly after the incident, and there was no threat to the greater Fort Riley community. Federal authorities are actively investigating. Further details are pending from the U.S. Attorney's Office. Manhattan City Commissioners unanimously authorized contract amendments Tuesday for infrastructure improvements tied to the ongoing Midtown Aggieville project. The city expanded the scope of that project in December to include a new hotel and parking garage in addition to Back 9 Development's new multi-use project. That has increased the price tag for design and construction management with the city's two hired firms, Olson and BHS Construction. Deputy City Manager Jason Hilders says the funds will support additional infrastructure improvements in the nearby alleys. The project itself uh, has, has grown. Uh, we have extended into the 1100 block of Laramie with the Handy Corner project. And in doing so, it has resulted in additional street, alley, right-of-way type of improvements. Mayor Wynn Butler says it's a good plan. You know, this comprehensive look is important because long-term we needed to fix the alleys and do a bunch of things. So it's essential we do that. I, I particularly support this trash and grease plan. Construction in that area will resume in April. Well, with fake Patty's Day just around the corner, local leaders are pushing a message of safety and encouraging those who partake in the annual unofficial drinking holiday to be mindful of Manhattan City codes. Over the past week, RCPD has put out a series of messages via social media reminding the public of those city codes that include minor in possession, hosting minors, unlawful assembly, and criminal trespass. At Tuesday's monthly law board meeting, Mayor Wynn Butler noted many online had been misinterpreting the social media posts as a way for local officials to squash fake Patty's Day. And of course, there's no law that prohibits, you know, having 10 people have a beer, you know, in, in the front yard. But, you know, I, I'd refer you back to those, uh, you know, car commercials when you have the mayhem guy arrive. Not going to tolerate that. Or when the barbarians arrive. We're not going to tolerate that. So the point is, uh, you know, extreme behavior, you're going to have an issue with RCPD. If you behave, not going to be a problem. Aggieville Business Association Director Dennis Cook says the organization is open to efforts to shift the behavior from the house party scene back to a more controlled environment within the bar district. Law Board member and Riley County Commission Chair John Ford agreed that's likely the best scenario moving forward. I tend to agree it's not going anywhere at this point in time and some point in time we're going to have to continue to kind of steer into it instead of away from it because we can't just make it go away. 
Statues showcasing the rich history of the Douglas Community Center and the Douglas Center Annex in Manhattan were officially unveiled to the public Tuesday morning. Today, we celebrate black history on Yuma Street, and that is just monumental today in the city of Manhattan. That's Dave Baker, former director of the Douglas Center. Four years ago, he approached city officials wanting to do something to highlight the importance of the two buildings to Manhattan's history in the early to mid-20th century. And these statues that we're going to unveil today will always tell that story of what these buildings were once. If you didn't grow up here or live here, you would not know exactly what these buildings are. Those statues outside the community center depict the late Sergeant First Class Lazone Grays of Fort Riley and his wife Moselle, both of whom served in the military during World War II. That center was a USO serving World War II soldiers. The statues outside the annex building depict two schoolchildren, showcasing the building as the school for black children in Manhattan prior to desegregation. Funding was provided by the Lincoln and Dorothy Deal Endowed Fund within the Greater Manhattan Community Foundation. The newly formed Manhattan Parks and Recreation Foundation held a public reception last night. The new foundation will serve as a fundraising arm for the city's Parks and Rec Department and programming. Foundation Board Chair Gail Urban says the goal of Tuesday's event was to solicit funds ahead of the Greater Manhattan Community Foundation's Grow Green Match Day. So by having $10,000 in our endowed fund, that will make us eligible for uh, matching donations on Grow Green Match Day in April. So that's our specific goal tonight. Long term, the foundation is looking to raise money for recreation scholarships, special populations programs, and would eventually like to raise $10 million to support a proposed indoor aquatic center. Good morning, I'm Troy Coverdale with your sports headlines at News Radio KMAN. The K-State women's basketball team hits the floor tonight for a showdown of ranked teams, a key matchup in the race for a Big 12 title. The 10th-ranked Wildcats will welcome in number two West Virginia, both among the trio that sit a game back of Oklahoma for the conference lead. The Cats are coming off a win Saturday in the final moments, having held off UCF by two. The Mountaineers improved to 22-3 and overall, as they bested then-23rd-ranked Oklahoma that same day, 70-66. Game time tonight at 6.30. Coverage on News Radio KMAN and Sunny 102.5 gets underway at 6. Ali Khalifa had 14.7 assists and 7 rebounds. The number 25 BYU men clipped number 11 Baylor last night, 78-71. BYU coach Mark Pope pleased with his team's effort. I, I felt really good about the game early on. We're down 08, and I'm like, we're okay. Because we were getting second-chance second opportunities every time, and we were getting up shots that we like. And so our energy, even though the score on the board wasn't exactly the way we wanted to start the game, like our energy was really good. Clearly, the building was incredible. But our guys' energy and their focus on wedging was really good. BYU will next play at Bramlage on Saturday against K-State. Pop Isaac scored 19 and put 23rd-ranked Texas Tech ahead to stay with a three-point play with 39 seconds left. The Red Raiders rallied from a double-digit deficit to beat TCU 82-81. In the top 25, Stephen Ashworth scored 16 of his 20 in the first half as Creighton built a double-digit lead. The number 15 Blue Jays knocked off UConn 85-66 for their first win ever over a number one ranked team. It's really a culmination of a lot of work by a lot of people uh, over, over a long period of time. To give these guys the opportunity to, to wear this uniform and play in front of the crowd we were able to play in front of tonight, I just couldn't be more proud of them. 
Creighton head coach Greg McDermott, UConn having a 14-game winning streak end three days after it hammered then-number four Marquette by 28 points for one of the most lopsided wins of the season. Also last night, number five Tennessee gets by Mizzou 72-67, 18th-ranked St. Mary's downs San Francisco 70-66, and number 19 San Diego State falls to Utah State 68-63. High school basketball last night, both the Manhattan High boys and girls were in action against Hayden. Mitch Fortner has the recap. Tuesday night was the regular season finale and senior night at the MHS gym for the Manhattan girls and boys basketball teams as they hosted the Hayden Wildcats. On the girls' side, a tough loss for the Lady Indians as they lose to Hayden 61-48. Manhattan led by 14 points from senior Maxine Deering and 13 points from Cat Ball. The Manhattan girls end the regular season with a record of 10-10 overall and 4-6 and in Centennial League play. On the boys' side, despite Hayden making 11 three-pointers in the game, Manhattan led from start to finish in a 77-70 victory over the Wildcats. The 77 points the most scored by Manhattan this season. Four players in double figures led by 18 points from Asher Newcomer, 14 points from senior Jason Kim, 13 points from senior Elijah McFadden, and 10 points from junior Sam Spiegel. The Manhattan boys end their regular season with a record of 12-8 overall and 6-4 in Centennial League play. Up next for the Manhattan girls and boys, they wait their sub-state semifinal assignment, which will be announced this weekend. Manhattan girls and boys split with Hayden last night. I'm Mitch Fortner, News Radio KMAN. Other boys' action last evening: Marysville over Wamigo, 53-45. Rossville gets by Rock Creek, 57-50. Blue Valley Randolph defeats Valley Heights, 55-42. And Junction City needed overtime to clip Topeka, 67-64. In girls' action: Marysville. Upends Wamigo 62-45. Rock Creek girls get blown out by Rossville 69-25. Valley Heights hammers Blue Valley Randolph 78-32. And Topeka High downs Junction City 40-17. Arizona State took advantage of runs in each of their final three at-bats to hold off the K-State baseballers last night 9-6 in Phoenix. The Wildcats built to a three-run lead after two-and-a-half innings behind homers from Daniel Rivera and Kalen Culpepper, but the Sun Devils got to cat starter Owen Burma for three in the bottom of the third and another tally in the fourth. The starter struck out nine over four-and-two-thirds innings but allowed four runs in a no decision. K-State will open its home schedule Friday afternoon with the first of three against Holy Cross. The field for the 12-team college football playoff beginning next season will comprise five conference champions and seven at-large selections. University presidents who oversee the CFP unanimously tweaked the format yesterday. The move to decrease the number of spots reserved for conference champions from six to five was prompted by realignment and the disassembling of the Pac-12. No conference will have automatic access. The five slots will go to the highest-ranked conference champions as determined by the CFP Selection Committee, ensuring at least one team from outside the ACC, Big Ten, Big 12, and Southeastern Conference will make the 12-team field. Coming up this evening on News Radio KMAN, coverage of the Cats in action as the K-State women play host to West Virginia in that key conference showdown. The coverage gets underway at 6. The tip-off is at 6.30. We'll precede that with the game this afternoon, getting underway at 4 at News Radio KMAN.